Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up in today's Clark Rageous Moment, there are some people who feel ripped off by Ancestry.com. I'll tell you what's going on if you have been a customer of Ancestry. And coming up yet later, we already have behavioral rates for auto insurance becoming more and more common across the United States. Now other services are coming with rates that change based on you after you buy the product. And I'm going to fill you in on how that plays and where it might actually potentially save you money. Now, speaking of money, we are now closing in on the full Christmas shopping season. I know, I know, you haven't even bought your Halloween costumes yet, and here I am for the third time talking about Christmas. But I want to address something that has been so much in the news and is so little understood, and that is the moves by the president to impose tariffs on other countries and especially on China. And there have been headlines that have been very confusing what this is going to mean to your wallet. So I want to lay this out for you so you know that for this Christmas, regardless of how things play out with us and the Chinese, this Christmas for you and me is fine. There's not going to be any dramatic price increases on anything of note that you'll be buying for this Christmas season. After Christmas, if we and the Chinese don't figure out how to get along, you will start to see meaningfully higher prices on any of a number of items you buy. Clothing, all forms of electronics, and then components that go into other things, potentially like automobiles, are going to be more expensive, ultimately driving the price of the purchase of automobiles up. But that's an if-then that you can't connect the dots yet. Now, this is said by somebody who is an ardent free trader. I am someone who is really opposed to getting into any kind of tariff tit-for-tat, any tariff wars. I hate them. But even though it's not my thing, I don't want you to think that what's happened so far is going to dramatically affect your life as a consumer. There will be spot situations where people in particular industries are going to get hurt and may already have been hurt. Farmers, that's uh, been well publicized that farmers have been affected. And there are manufacturers of various product lines where people are going to suffer on the job front. But in terms of the overall picture for you and me with what we do with our wallets, there's nothing to fear, nothing to worry about for these 90 days of the Christmas selling season and its immediate aftermath. Next year, well, we're going to have to wait and see, and 
see how this all plays out. And Al is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Al. How you doing? Hey, Clark. I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you, Al. How can I be of service to you today? Well, before you start, I just want to say I'm a huge fan. And as a uh, show veteran, I just want to say thanks for your service. Thank you. Um, so, um, my parents and I, we had a good uh, relationship with each other. Uh, but they seem to have a bit of a spending problem. And so we try to talk to them about it, and they really uh, don't want to hear it. Uh, so they still have an unpaid mortgage. Um, they still have numerous car payments, credit cards, back taxes. So, um, and these, these are your parents you're worried about? I am, yes. And how many siblings do you have? Uh, it's just myself and my brother. And are you and your brother on the same page about this? We are. And so um, have either of you tried um, individually or have you tried together as brothers to sit down with your parents and say, we're really worried about you. We need to talk about this. Like an intervention someone would do for someone with any um, addiction problem. Uh, we we have a little bit. My brother's been a bit more, uh, I guess you could say, aggressive with that. He's been really trying to get them on track for the last few years, but they it's it's been uh, it's been a consistent problem, and they it's it's been one of those things that they don't want to admit. Um, and so the issue has come up because my father went to go and uh, change insurance companies for the house, and they came to look at the house, and they really um, were not pleased with the condition of the house, and so now he's worried about being able to have insurance coverage for the house, and now it's, it's kind of turning into a, uh, a big thing. So now we're realizing that almost none of the houses paid off because we refinance and buy against the house. So and how old, how old are your parents, Al? They're 66 and 67. Okay. So they should be looking forward to retirement, and my father gets a pension check from the city, but it's been a... Um, you know that it kind of just evaporates as soon as it comes in because they just the credit cards and cars and I think uh, taxes that they have. And it's so years. hard as kids to when the role reverses and you're the one trying to guide and help a parent. Parents generally resent uh, their kids who they raised uh, talking to them about money. I mean, we that's been a theme that has been clear to me on our show for more than three decades is that a parent does not want to hear what unpleasant news from a kid about the right. parent you know right. and so um, I would say that you and your brother together need to go meet with your parents and suggest a course of action to them because you and your brother can't fix this for your parents Right. But you okay. can suggest a path that if they're willing to take it, can get them on the straight and narrow. And okay. so what I'd like is for the two of you to sit down with them in the least threatening environment that they would find. If that's over a family meal, if it's over okay. um, visiting with them at their home, uh, if it's whatever it is, if there's if they're really into sports and you're watching a game with them at halftime, you talk to them. I mean, whatever it is, the is the lowest voltage environment. The two of you can talk to them and suggest specifically a course of action. With any, your parents sound like they have 
uh, the equivalent of an addiction problem with spending. Basically, yeah. And so, so the best, the best when, way to put it. anytime anybody does an intervention, which is what we're talking about here, with someone with an addiction, out of the confrontation you have, and it is a confrontation because they don't want to hear it from you, you have right. to suggest a direct course of action. And in this okay. case, it's for them to go see an affiliate of the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Okay. And you or your brother can go on nfcc.org and find okay. a local um, counselor available. These are people that are going to be A-OK. This is what they do. They're trained to do it. They would sit down with your parents, and they both have to go and talk through their income and their spending and come up at the least with a plan and a budget. And you and your okay. brother can't do it. They're not going to listen to you. Right. Okay. But okay. NFCC is what I would recommend. Uh, let me say okay. something else to you. It's sure. not going to be a conversation. If they're in denial, you want to talk to them, and they may blow you off. But okay. it starts a process that generally one or both of them have to hit a financial wall and then they're more willing to listen. So you have to introduce the uncomfortable topic and be willing to follow up over time to try to get them to, to a point where they're like, well, you're right, the logical consequences of this are, are blah, blah, blah. What's that you wanted us to do? Where is it you wanted us to go? Right. So not a talk, but it's a process. Okay, and uh, I was I was hoping to ask if possible um, is there in the event that they're unable to, like God forbid, my father is unable to work, something happens, or he gets sick. As far as his, you know, outstanding debts and balances, is there a certain amount that falls on family and a next of kin that my brother and I would be responsible for? Do you know? Well, the you are not responsible as siblings. The question comes, let's say one of your parents passed away, is the other responsible for their debts? And that all depends on how the debts are titled, if they're titled in the names of both of them, or if they live in what's known as a community property state, in which case the debts of one are the debts of the other. But there are very few community property states in the country, and so as long as the debt is not an obligation of both, the surviving parent is not responsible for the debts of the other parent. Okay, and it does not fall on the children either? Like does not fall on the children. Okay, okay. So, right. Well, thank you very much, Clark. I appreciate it. All right, and um, if, if at some point you really hit a wall with them not listening to either of you and they're willing to talk to me, give me a crack at it. Okay. I would definitely be able to do that because, ironically, I, I started listening to the show because of my father from years ago. Well, hopefully he's listening to you right now. If he's listening, maybe he's going to say, oh, oh, what's Al doing? Now he's got Clark on my case. And we can see maybe if something will shake him up. Kevin's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kevin. Hey, how you doing today, Clark? Great. Thank you, Kevin. How can I be of service to you? So the company I'm with, we have a great 401k plan. Um, 
they match 50% of every dollar that we contribute up to 6% of what we put in. And then after five years, it increases to 60%, and then you become vested. The problem I have is just recently the financial company that manages the 401k sent out a notification saying that they're going to start charging us a $50 a month maintenance fee. So I was wondering, would it be worth keeping the 401k or maybe rolling my 401k into an IRA with my credit union? Well, generally, you can't uh, move the 401k till time of retirement or, or you leave a place of employment, either retire or leave them, under most plan rules, you can't move the money while you're still employed. But this particular 401k administrator, you are, gosh, I bet I've had half a dozen calls about this administrator uh, this year with people complaining about astronomically high fees. And you must be with a very small company that there was such an ultra-high cost 401k administrator. Is it a real small outfit? Uh, we're the only company in the United States, but we do a, we produce, we're one of only two companies that manufacture a certain product in the United States. And how many employees would you guess there are with the company? Uh, about 1,100. That is a mid-size uh, plan company, not a small company plan. So it's unusual that the company would be with such an ultra high cost 401k administrator. It's possible that whoever handles it at the company isn't aware that there are much better choices. For you, what I would recommend is you want to pick up all the free money the company's throwing your way. So put right. into that 401k only up to where you secure the full match that's available to you. And, and just that's know, what I'm doing right now. Okay, and that's what you should continue doing. And any more money you want to do, do in a Roth IRA. But I don't want you to do that at a credit union. I want you to do it at one of the low-cost investment companies. I list my favorites on my investment guide at Clark.com. And so okay. I, would do, I would do the 401k just to grab the free money. Know that you're going to be feed to death. 600 bucks a year. Crazy. Um but you're still picking up a lot more than that in free money. And then past that, everything you do is on your own. And that would be the smartest thing to do. And I don't know the culture at your company, but if it's one where you felt like it was okay for you to speak up and ask them if they've looked for potentially a lower-cost 401k provider, if that would be welcomed as a suggestion at your company, I would make it. If, on the other hand, the culture at your company would be mind your own business and shut up, then do exactly that. Today's Clark Rageous moment involves something going on with Ancestry.com. If you've done the Ancestry.com DNA testing, you may be aware that you can get an ethnic breakdown on yourself. Where are you from? And what countries, what regions, that kind of thing. Well, the quality of DNA testing continues to improve, and Ancestry has new data on all of us that did that, and I found out as a result, and they make you go through a series of questions, making sure you're going to be comfortable knowing that where they thought I was from is not exactly where I was from. 
it was similar, but there were a fair amount of changes. And apparently a lot of people are fired up and really upset. You have to look at DNA testing as something that's continually improving, continually becoming cheaper and more precise. And don't take results you get as the only word and the final word. Because if you do, you could end up being one of these people who are like, wait, I've told everybody I'm so ever percent Portuguese or something. And now you tell me I'm not Portuguese at all or whatever it is. So chill. Know that the information is pretty cool that you're able to find out. And the commercials make it seem like it's 100% accurate. Nope. They're still learning. Don't look at your new results if you're an Ancestry customer unless you're ready to handle the info. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. We have free off-the-air advice for you available every weekday. Adds up to over 40 hours each week that you can talk with a member of Team Clark to get answers to your questions, talk about problems, avoid scams. You've already been scammed. You want to know what to do? We'll do the best we can for you. If you go to Clark.com, scroll down a little, you'll see the phone number and hours that free off-the-air advice are available. So starting about 12 years ago, I guess, the first insurer, first as an experiment in the state of Texas, came up with variable automobile insurance based on how you drove, that there was a baseline premium, but that then your premium adjusted based on you being a good or crummy driver, with you being monitored. And now those monitoring systems are real-time and no longer experimental and done by many companies in many states across the country. A lot of people creeped out by it. The acceptance rate for it has been relatively low. But this idea of having variable rates based on you after you purchase something is something we're going to see more and more of john hancock life insurance has a product called vitality and the whole idea of vitality is that it's designed to get you to improve your health over time and you get rewards for doing so it's a lot like the tie-ins that companies have often with the fitbit platform where they monitor what you're doing, your health, and all the rest, and the you know you achieving certain goals physically, like how many steps a day and all that. And they monitor that stuff, and then they reward you for doing those things because employers are trying to lower the cost of their health coverage and uh, reduce absenteeism and the rest. So this is the same idea with the John Hancock Vitality is you qualify for a health insurance premium it is uh, life, I'm sorry life insurance premium the premium is established but effectively the price is lowered if you do things that reduce your risk of dying and the folks at John Hancock are actually really clear about why they do it and they do it simply because if they can get you to live longer it saves them money they, they are not gray about that at all. They're like, hey, you got longer life. We're not paying on as many policies. We win, you win. 
And who knows if people will grab hold of this. So far, this is, as best I know, the John Hancock one is the only one that I know of that exists. Uh, but I think that, that the variable insurance kind of thing is a concept that's got a lot further to run. Now, on the Fitbit front, Fitbit today announced a new program called Fitbit Care. And the idea of it is that it is active management of your health with both tracking you, yep, tracking you, where a company says, hey, we're this Fitbit thingy. And so they track what you're up to, they monitor you remotely, and what's different in this case and how they make their money is charging companies for administering this is Fitbit has humans who intervene with you to say, hey, you know, what happened? You were, you were doing that um, aerobic exercise on average 3.6 times a week, and now you're only doing it 1.4 times a week. What can we do to get you going again? Or you're sitting on your rear end all the time. Your fitness trackers never showing anything. What can we do? And so for employers, again, this is all about money. And, you know, with these programs, what will happen is you'll be offered different incentives by your employer for being a nuisance in your life, trying to get you to become more physically fit. My experience, it's just like with budgeting tools. The people that most glom on to budgeting tools are people who are already good at handling their money, and it's harder to get people who've had trouble with money to focus on this. And I think it's so true with fitness. So, uh, all right, I got to tell you about an obsession of mine. All right, so I have been wearing a Garmin fitness tracker for as long as Garmin has made fitness trackers. And right now I'm on something called the, I think it's called the Vivo Active 3 or something. And... So I've got my records with Garmin going back to, I mean, forever on how many average steps I had in a month, a year, uh, how much, uh, um, what do they call, vigorous exercise I've done day by day, what my goals are. Today, my goal is 18,290 steps. I'm only at 7,713. Last night, I was short of steps, and I walked around the house till I hit my step goal. I mean, so I've got an obsession disorder with it that is extreme and I'm always pushing myself, but that's my mentality. I'm I'm obsessed with fitness. So the question with the Fitbit and Fitbit, you know, Garmin is all based on individuals that are into athletics and fitness. Fitbit is all about the corporate environment and trying to get people to be more into conscious and into fitness and i don't know that their model really works i guess this with the high touch we'll see over time does it motivate you to do more i hope so sal is with us on the clark howard show hello sal hi clark how are you doing all right pretty good sal i cannot believe what you're about to tell me hit me with it all right. Well, my aunt has her internet service through 
a, a broadband company, and it's you know, bundled with one of these packages. And I recently found out that she's also still paying a monthly fee to another internet service provider that was around back in the dial-up days. And can I can I mention the names? Yeah. Okay. It's AOL, and I, I believe that AOL is scamming its older customers by not letting them know that most of its content, the desktop software, and um, the email address and much of its content is available for free if you just have an internet connection. All right, so let me hit you with a stat I just found searching when you, the second you brought this up. The most recent number published was for last year that 2.1 million people are still paying for dial-up service from AOL that they may not have used in 15 years. Wow. And uh, how much a month is she paying? Something around $25 a month. $300 a year that AOL is taking year after year from people, running off with the money, which actually means Verizon, you know, because that's who owns them. Okay. So Verizon is the one that is like, hey, who us? What? What? And so this is this is really uh, so rotten. And let me give you an uh, an example that I used to deal with a lot up to about ten years ago. People would find out with like you did with an aunt. They'd find out with a parent, a grandparent, aunt, uncle, whatever, that they were still paying to rent a phone from the old Monopoly phone company from 1984 that they were still paying for a phone they didn't have for decades. And AT&T and its um, successor companies never told anybody that buried in their bills they were paying these rental charges. That's crazy. So, um, you know, if you call and complain on her behalf, my understanding is that Verizon will give a refund for the last 90 days, and that's it. Right, but I, I should at least get on the phone and try to cancel this immediately. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so what you've done is such a value to people is that uh, you may, this is a heads up, you think about over 2 million people that are still paying for something that I didn't even know you could still use AOL dial-up. I don't think those dial-up numbers are good anymore. I don't know. I, I, gosh, I wonder if there is any such thing, or if Verizon's just billing people for something that doesn't—it's a phantom that doesn't exist. So, I mean, it's important that people check with uh, aging relatives that they that still email them from an AOL email address in particular, and see if they are in fact paying twenty twenty-five dollars a month for it. Right, and uh, this is this aunt also uh, pays for uh, cell phone insurance, which I know you're always screaming about that uh, we shouldn't be doing. And I told her, you know, you shouldn't be paying it, and she said she doesn't mind. I said, give the money to me; I'll put it into, I'll invest it for you. Good job, and you are the insurance company when she drops her phone. That's right. Yeah, I think that's just fine, and you are a good nephew to look out for Thanks. her. And Thanks. you may need her on the phone call with you when you talk with Verizon to get the AOL discontinued. Okay, I'll do that. And if you have any 
real problems trying to get that billing stopped, please let me know. I will. Thanks right. a lot, Clark. Have a great day. And Patricia's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Patricia. Hi, Clark. Thank you so much for taking my call. Certainly. I just wanted to ask, my daughter is starting the process of purchasing her first home. Is it worth working with a real estate agent that is considered a buyer's agent? And do these agents have any um, truly only work for the buyer? And it depends on the state and the form that she would sign. So the form that she would sign hiring a buyer's agent uh, will say in it if the information exchange is confidential or it will clearly disclose it it will clearly as clearly as anything written by a lawyer will disclose if they can share information with what historically is known as the listing agent a lot of people don't realize that in um, in many traditional situations with real estate agents when you have an agent taking you around to look at homes they may uh, contractually be sharing your wants, how much you really like a house, what you can really afford to pay with the agent representing the seller. So that's why your question is so valuable is to know whether or not they truly are representing her and her only. So you know like in different states, like some states have better, you know, laws or, you know, that kind of thing? I would would be remiss if I said I could answer that easily for all 50 states but um, with any buyer's agent representation it should be limited as to time and what the scope is so let's say uh, your daughter's working with a particular agent and they're really not hitting it off or she's not seeing anything she really likes she doesn't want to be in a position where she's obligated for a lengthy period of time that that agent is due a commission if later She's long since forgotten about the person, found a place on her own, and then she still owes maybe 3% of the purchase price to that person. Because I looked online, and it seems like some of them say, like, to avoid real estate agencies that also list homes if you're looking for a buyer's agent. Is that true? I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay, okay. Yeah, because, again, it's governed by the agreement that she would sign and someone would have to be dishonest to violate that contract and Uh share confidential information and so i guess that does happen from time to time but i don't think that's a normal course of business that somebody would sign an agreement saying it was confidential and then they'd share and then how do they actually make their money it was like so at the in the contract for the purchase when it's presented the agent is who finds a place for her is protected in the negotiation of commission with the listing agent and that seller. Okay. All right, great. So you don't want to sign any agreement that says that your daughter is automatically obligated to pay a percent commission regardless of how the transaction is executed. Okay. All right, great. Thank you. Sure. And I hope she finds what she's looking for at a price that's going to put a smile and not a frown on her face. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? 
Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Keith joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Keith. Hello, Clark. So, Keith, you want to talk about a subject usually I can't get people to think about till well, they should have done some advanced planning. Yes, sir. I've been looking at a uh, prepaid direct cremation service. And during the interview with the sales representative, I uh, was presented some indicators that made me concerned. It was uh, only discussion of money instead of process, and it was kind of a... Uh, high-process deal, well, if you don't want to do this, we can do this. And it reminded me of about 40 years ago when timeshares first came about. Yeah, this, this, this organization, I'm, I'm not prepared to name them yet, Keith, on the air. I think I'm going to do a TV story on them. But this organization uh, pretends the whole way they market themselves is almost like they're a nonprofit that's just there to help you through the whole funeral and cremation process and all that. And it looks like they've got um, almost like franchise funeral homes around the country. Nowhere do they talk about price. Everything's about getting you to make an appointment and go in to talk with a high-pressure salesperson. The reviews online are about as bad as you'll ever see for any organization. And it's absolutely not how you should plan for uh, the end of life. And I want to recommend a couple of things to you, if I could. That'd be great. All right. One of them is I'd like you to look at funerals.org. Funerals.org is the website of the Funeral and Memorial Society of America. And in much of America, there are chapters. These are all true nonprofit charitable organizations that are co ops run for their members that offer both traditional funerals with burial and cremations at costs that are from half off to 75% off prevailing market rates, where essentially you use group buying power of the co-op to get everything done a whole lot cheaper. And the complete opposite of what you had from the high-pressure sales environment, they, in fact, I tell you, this is what the current prices are right here. You want this, it'll cost that. You want that, it'll cost this. This is what we've negotiated for our members. And if they don't have a chapter where you are, Keith, uh, at funerals.org, they'll walk you through the right way to shop for these services and to negotiate the prices if you are left to your own devices to come up with a deal. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks so much for listening today. You know, there's a giant team behind bringing you everything we do at Team Clark. Our podcast and radio show are produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. My TV producer is Leah Dunn. 
Clark.com is made possible thanks to Krista DBIs, James DeGal, John Crest, Theo Timu, Michael Timmerman, Craig Johnson, Beth Marcinko, Clara Bassanetto, John Jones, and Grace Del Rio. ClarkDeals.com, where you can find the best deals from around the web, is produced by Karis Brown, Laura Sayers, Sarah Jordan, and Damon Marley. You can sign up for our newsletters at Clark.com, thanks to Sally McDonald, and our social media gurus are Chelsea Glass and Nicole Carroll. Our Off-Air Advice Center is run by Lori Silverman, Sarah Mobley, and Sue Gatliff, and their team's available to serve you over 40 hours each week at 404-892-8227, and this is a free service of Team Clark. Thanks for listening. Till next time.